0: for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash
1: ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now,
0: rank squad and welcome to champions league takeaway here on ranks fc after another wild round of champions league action on match day four my name is jack collins and i'll be your host today and i'm joining us ever by our champions league guru mr dean jones how you doing mate
2: oh i got a bit of a headache mate after watching all that tonight um madness absolute madness um i was watching man united game and i turned it off for two nil <laughs> I switched over to the Arsenal game and thought, I'll see if there's anything else happening elsewhere, because not going to be much to talk about here. Nice to see Money United win, but uh, yeah, I'll come back to this later on. <laughs> I had to go back and rewind because <laughs> I missed a little bit of action before yeah. it got to halftime.
0: Well, I mean, the halftime that ended up being further along than the rest of the games kicking off for the second half. It was one of those weeks where I was really hoping that obviously on the show, and especially on Champions League Takeaway, We've led with Manchester United, I think, three of the four times of, ever, of, the, of the times we've done this podcast so far, including today. And I was really hoping, or two of the last three, I was really hoping that we could just go, okay, not because I was like, I really want Manchester United to win because I'm pretty ambivalent in that regard, but more because I was sort of being like, okay, I, I could just do without talking about United for a week or without them being the focus of everything. And in a week where Chelsea and Tottenham put together maybe the most chaotic game of football I've ever seen on Monday night. United have done their very level best to actually (laughs) go and top that. And it just, it feels wrong to start anywhere else. So we're going to have to start with this. Copenhagen 4, Manchester United 3. And Manchester United 2-0 up, 3-2 up in this game. Two very good goals in the first half. Both ended up being finished by Rasmus Hoyland who was obviously returning to Copenhagen having played for them. His two brothers, twin brothers, play for the club as well, somewhere very close to him. So to score at Parken was, was probably pretty special for him. Before the game, Copenhagen fans held up a sign saying, the theatre of your nightmares. It turned out that way.
2: Yeah, it didn't look like it was going to be. But, mate, I didn't. I don't believe in curses. At least I didn't. And now I do, I think. Man United cursed. That's the big takeaway. There's no other explanation for what is going on. This was a straightforward 2-0 win. And I was like, there is nothing to say here apart from Man United Really nice on the break here. Hoyland. My takeaway was just going to be back Hoyland to score his first Premier League goal at the weekend against Luton. And to be fair, you probably still can do that. But... But... I mean, they just... I, it, it wasn't even a bad performance, to be honest. It's actually one of their better performances of the season. I actually can't criticize seventy
0: them. minutes of it. I, I think. can't criticize them that all much. seventy to be were in one go.
2: I don't really even want to talk about the VAR. Sick. I don't even want to talk about it because I think I just think Rashford. I just don't think it's a red card. I just, I just hate. I just hate red cards like this. Like I hate the fact that referees are making decisions based on freeze frames of tackles because that is not. That is not a fair reflection of the moment. That is not what football is. Football is not a freeze frame of a moment. And you could do that in any walk of life. I could be talking to another mum in a playground and someone takes a picture of me and shows it to Taylor. I say, oh, look, Dean was, Dean was chatting up this bird in the playground. And it could look like it, but you're not. And it looks like Marcus Rashford has come up with a horror. T- Mate, listen to this, right? During the game... On the Telegraph's live feed of this game, uh, on the live stream, sorry, like the the text stuff, um, it goes like this. Rightly, Rashford is sent off. He went nowhere near the ball and could have caused a serious injury. That is a disgusting challenge. It is an embarrassing reaction from Rashford, who was laughing in disbelief. If he cannot see why that was a red card, then that is concerning. And later on, they called it a horror challenge. I mean, mate, that's just, that is just not my perception of that moment at all.
0: No, so I'm, I'm slightly different to you. I, I actually disagree in that I think it is a red card because I think it's dangerous, but I think that you're right in that it's definitely not a horror challenge. It's definitely an accident, but I think that actually when you look at that and you go, that's a leg snapper, and when he, whether he means it or not, I'm afraid I it, I believe that has to be a red card because people always say this. No
2: one's legs snap. Like, people always say this. people's
0: like legs don't get, get snapped. It's, snapped it's nonsense. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. So, it's um, nonsense.
2: Um, like this is this used to be like a foul, maybe a yellow card, and now it's like oh, little bit naughty on his shin there. Red card. Why? Why it's is VAR card? On why shin? is VAR adamant that we have to have ten against eleven games now? Like we're not getting as many goals as we used to get. And we're not even seeing eleven v eleven anymore. We saw enough game goals in this one. <laughs> oh, it's driving me mad. Anyway, I, um, yeah. So then obviously the game turns, and yeah, United you know, then flip it back the other way. Uh, Bruno Fernandes gets a, a, a brilliant, takes his penalty brilliantly, really, really good. to to get them back in it, and then yeah, combustion. But um. I mean I'm gonna pronounce his name wrong, but Rooney Bajar Badaji? Let me call him Badaji on the commentary. I believe it's Bodjee. Yeah, I mean he is uh, a messy clone, isn't he, in this style of play and like the 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 way that he uh, is in figuratively as well at the moment. And that was the last person Man United wanted that, that, that ball fall into in the box. His his technique was sensational. It was a lovely finish. This is a, a beautiful footballer um 17 years old obviously there's, there's there's been talk about him for a little while now he's making his mark here and yeah what a moment for him and he's someone we're going to be hearing a lot more about so in a match which yes will all be talked about because it's another collapse for man united another disaster for man united etc etc Like the takeaway is this boy as well like let let's not ignore this this narrative because he, well, he could play anywhere. Real Madrid, Barcelona or Chelsea have been linked. Like He, he really could go to anyone, couldn't
0: he? He's very, very good. Um, he's got 10 goals now. I think it's about 1,200 minutes. So he's scoring a goal every game and a half-ish for, for Copenhagen this season. He turns 18 next week. A week today, he turns 18. He is a very, very special talent. And I think what you're saying there about the way that he came on and controlled the game, Suddenly, And look, it's obviously against 10. So you have to take that into consideration. But to be thrown in on this stage and just take the game by the scruff of the neck, you know, he was he was a crucial part of, of the way that things turned out into the equalizing goal. And then he nets the winner. He was absolutely sensational. And, and he's won very much that people need to have an eye on a, a real, real talent.
2: Yeah, so Copenhagen now second in the group. Um, Bayern Munich are going to win it. They've got twelve points uh, after four games. Two more from Kane tonight. Yeah, two more from Kane. Um...
0: Nineteen now, I think, in all competitions <laughs> for Bayern. He really does have his eye on that European golden shoe, doesn't he? He's uh, he's, <laughs> he's ticking along nicely. You know what? This game was that game was really good. I really enjoyed it. And actually, Gala had some big opportunities in the first half. Bayern weren't at it, really. Um, And then they find a way through Harry Kane. And two minutes later, he sets up a move, which ends with him scoring the second. And it's like, that's how quickly a team like Bayern can punish you. And I suppose that maybe that's the difference that we're talking about. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to go on to talk about Real Madrid as well. But that's the difference we're talking about when we're looking at, you know, teams who are up, and once they get a hold of the game, you know that they're going to hang on to it. Now, obviously, Bukambu scores for Galatasaray late on, makes it 2-1. But there was no part of me that was like, Bayern will throw this away. And I think that you're watching Manchester United game, and, and obviously they do have 10 men, so again, pinch of salt. But there's nothing about them that convinces me that they are 2-0 up, they will hold on to this lead and, and win the game. And and even when they're playing well, and I suppose that's the difference between the teams that you look at as as the elite level, and the team's trying to get back there. and That's that's where this falls apart because there is no way on earth that you think of any of the Manchester United teams, not even, the, I'm not talking about the great ones that went on and, you know, won everything. I'm talking about sort of even the Manchester United teams of the last seven, eight years. 2-0 up against Copenhagen, I don't think many of them collapse. And I think that's a pretty worrying state of affairs for Eric Ten Hag in that there is just no resilience left within this side. And that's uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe. It's um, it's tough. I mean, yeah, they can t- still make it through United. They are bottom of the group. Yeah,
0: this is it. They're not done and dusted here, but they have to go to Galatasaray and win. And, and we, all know, we all know what that game represents. We've all heard the stories of, of these great Manchester United teams going to Istanbul and being like, oh my God, it was like nothing I've ever experienced. Now it's not the same as it was once upon a time, but it's still a pretty intimidating place to go. And then Bayern Munich come to Old Trafford, now Bayern are clearly already qualified, they will probably have 15 points by that point, you're looking at it and going, will they be completely there and completely present in terms of, they'll have won the group
2: yeah, you're like, you hope Kane isn't playing for example or whatever, yeah. but
0: if you're Harry Kane you're getting the opportunity to go to Old Trafford and, and kind of rub it in, I think that he's probably taking that opportunity yeah,
2: that's the thing, I'm not sure Bayern um, well, we'll see where we are at that point, obviously that is the that will be the last game of this group so, um yeah, it's extremely tough. I mean, you know, I could still do it, but it, it's it's not looking likely. Um, they were talking about the leadership on the, on the TV and Paul Scholes said, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, well, hang on, you have got leaders because you've got Bruno Fernandes, you've got Harry Maguire, and you've got Raphael Varane. Like, they're the in the core of your team. Like, so when it comes through leading by example, you've got three actual proper leaders there of international caliber, to get you through those moments and they just still can't do it and yeah it's tough and I mean 11 v 11 they wouldn't have lost that game but it wasn't 11 v 11 so they have lost it and again they've got to get their heads right
0: yeah it's a, a strange one I mean look I think this is the thing that you actually look at where the goals are scored right El Unissi scores in the 45th minute there was about 10 minutes of added time so you've got to kind of say the last 10 and then they gave away a penalty in the 50th, fourth minute or something like that of the first half. And that's conceded. So it's the last 10 minutes of the first half. And then it's 83 and 87 in the second half. That is not a comfortable thing to be reading. And look, again, it's all of, you have to take all of that, especially at the end of it, it we'll be like, there will be knackered. They will have, you know, run the socks off. And they were brilliant, actually, United for the first 30 minutes or so, I thought, of, of the second half. Not just hanging on with 10 men, but actually getting the ball down, playing, and actually controlling the game a fair bit. And really taking the sting out of what had been, obviously, a, a pretty rousing comeback for Parkin. And we know Parkin has history of this, right? It's an incredible stadium. It has an incredible decibel level. It really does get behind its teams. So to be able to quiet that and still that and be able to just regain control of the game deserves credit. But you can't be falling apart twice in the last ten minutes of two halves on the trot and expecting to get out of a game at this level. Well, to yeah. be honest, or indeed at any level.
2: Yeah. Any level, yeah. No, it's fair. It's it's fair. Um, I don't want to talk about them too much more, but um, <laughs> it's it's all absolutely valid.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on then, shall we? Um, <laughs> I would like to talk about Benfica because Benfica lost three one to Real Sociedad in the early kickoff. But more than that, they were 3-0 down very, very early in this game. Real Sociedad scored three goals in the first 20 minutes. They then had a goal ruled out for offside that was very, very close. And then they missed a penalty. It could very comfortably have been 5-0 to Real Sociedad at halftime. Röger Schmidt moved to this three-at-the-back formation. And I don't think I've ever seen anything pay off less. It was an absolute disaster from start to finish. In fact, he changed it about 30 minutes in. He was like, this just isn't working and brought on brought on a right back. He was Ooh. like, no, nope, can't be doing this and moved back to a four at the back. And to be fair, Benfica did improve. They scored a consolation goal in at the start of the second half through Rafa Silva. And I was like, OK, have they got anything about them? But to be honest, it looked more likely that Real would have gone on and, and, and scored more. And Benfica are in a pretty uncomfortable position now. Now they are still second in the table in the Primeira, but they are three points behind Sporting, and they play Sporting at the weekend. The last couple of results, you know, you, you kind of look at it and go, they got a one-all draw, not last weekend, the weekend before against Pia, where they were a little bit lucky to come out with anything. Fine, they played well against the and in, in, in the Tassa, and then they beat. Shavs pretty comfortably at the weekend. But now this, they are out of European competition in terms of they will not be there in, in in the second half of the season. They are bottom of this group, zero points. They could still catch Salzburg in terms of the Europa League spot. But right now, I can't see anything that's suggesting to me that the Salzburg will be overhauled by them, especially mm. considering they already have a win on the books against Benfica mm. from the first game. So they're going to need to beat Salzburg and then beat Inter really or, or get a point against Inter to try and get anything out of this and Inter and Real Sociedad are definitely still going to be scrapping for top spot so there's that to there's that to consider with all of this as well I'm a bit worried about Roger Schmidt's job that's my takeaway is that you have a performance like this in the first half of this La Real haven't won a game in the Champions League at Anoeta for 20 years now Some of that is because they haven't played in the Champions League for a long period (laughs) of it. But the last time they won a game at home in this competition was in 2003, in September 2003, I think it was, against Olympiacos in their very first Champions League game ever. And since then, it's been a pretty disastrous thing. And even the first game of this campaign where they played Inter at home, and we, we talked about that game, and they were the better team, they somehow contrived to only draw one all. So for them to come out and absolutely batter this Benfica side in the first half an hour of this game was like, oh, wow. If you just put the pressure on here, if you remind them that you know of, of this kind of unwanted record and you, you get an early goal, then you can put a team that might well be better than you. And I'm, I'm a big fan of this Real Sociedad side under Gasil. But when you actually kind of look at it, you go, right that stadium is going to be nervous. They're on the brink of qualification for the last 16 for the first time. You've got to put them under. And Benfica was so meek and they were so weak at the back, even with three centre-halves. I was like, wow, that is that is really uncomfortable viewing if you're a Benfiquista. And yeah. I'm pretty concerned that they are going to be looking for a new manager quite soon. Now, Schmidt should have some credit in the bank. Obviously, they won the Primera last season. They got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They were a very good unit. But I don't think we've seen anything like the same Benfica this season. And at some point, they're going to look at that and be like, you're bottom of a group that also contains Salzburg. And yes, Ralph Saldana are a good side, but Benfica would have expected to come through in second place in that group. And yes, Inter are fine. Fine, no worries. (laughs) We're all good with that. But, you know, this is a Benfica side that topped the group with PSG and Juventus in it last season. It's a, you know, Benfica side that has lost Gonzalo Ramos, fine, has lost Enzo Fernandes in January, but they seem to cope with that OK at the time. And yet seems to have completely fallen apart at the seams. Hmm. And I'm qu- not quite sure what the answer is, but that tweak of formation before the game and then they be like, oh, my God, that hasn't worked. Change it. Go back to what we know. <laughs> is a mark, I think, of a manager who's quite unsure of himself at the moment. And that is never a comfortable thing at the lose where there is so much, you know, there's pressure to succeed every single year. Benfica are one of those sides where, you know, anything but winning the league is kind of a, you know, it's just not good enough. It's a little bit, you know, between, I think, especially Benfica and Porto and and Sporting have returned to the top table in recent years, fine. But between Benfica and Porto, the expectation is that you win the league every year in the same way it is with someone like Rangers and Celtic. And anything but that or a, a really impressive run in Europe, et cetera, is just not good enough for these fans. And right now, it just doesn't look good enough in front of Annie stead.
2: No. Um, it's funny, the kids were having their dinners. It was obviously the early kickoff and uh, had it all in the kitchen. And uh, Taylor was like... I was like laughing when, when the well fourth, but what turned out to be the third goal because the, the middle one of the middle ones was was ruled out, but like the fourth one went in and it was like twenty minutes into the game. uh so she goes, so goes three nil, and I was like, this is unbelievable. And Taylor was like, I thought you're watching highlights. I was like, no, this is an <laughs> actual game. Like this game is happening in real time. She's like there's a goal like every five minutes I was like I know I know um this is this is incredible um yeah I mean the the holes at the back of that Benfica defense were ridiculous I thought El Sociedad did really well to exploit them but yeah I th- <laughs> look the crowd obviously in a rhythm as well I mean they're doing a Poznan and stuff like 10 minutes into a game it's a nice place to be when you're when you're in that sort of mood but um yeah, there was no way Benfica were getting back into that match. I mean, to be honest, um, I'm surprised that the scoreline uh, was not extended and that Benfica managed to come out of this with a 3-1 defeat because, as I say, looking at after 20 minutes, I was thinking this is going to end up 6 or 7 nil. Like, they've really got to pull themselves together here and... Well, I don't know. You have to tell me. They either took their foot off the pedal or Benfica did somehow improve a little bit.
0: A bit of both, I think, is probably <laughs> the, the answer to that. But uh, it felt like Real Sociola had gears to go through if they needed to go through them. And they took off pretty much the whole front three with mm. that 30 minutes to go. That's never a good sign if yeah. you're Benfica. And, you know, there was some substitutions from Schmidt which were like, okay, we're, put, we're putting up the white flag here. We're just going to try and keep this as a lim- damage limitation. And that's that's a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. All right, last takeaway yeah. from tonight. How many times were we we in the headline Bellingham the boy this year. Oh
2: my goodness. Did he do it again? No, he didn't play. Oh, I was going to say, like, I, he wasn't in the goal scorer, so I was like, what did he do? I didn't watch his game at all. He didn't
0: play at all. He was rested after that injury that he came off with at the weekend, and instead, is Brahim the boy. Brahim stepped up into the Bellingham role for Real Madrid, and he was Brilliant. Oh, was he? Braga. Nice, nice. Look, Real Madrid got off a little bit lightly at the beginning of this game. Braga missed a penalty. Absolutely unbelievable save from Lunin, who was in net instead of Kepa. Um, and oh, pulled right. off a, a sensational stop um, in, in the first half. And I think I think Kepa's injured. But it was one of those good clean sheet from him and, and some really impressive stuff. But Real Madrid were excellent going forward from about the 20th minute onwards. And it was all... Brahim Diaz. He was given the exact Bellingham role. He was given the 10 in front of three midfielders with Vinicius and Rodrigo either side of him up front. And mm-hmm. he pulled the strings beautifully. There was like so little drop off from the Real Madrid that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Weekend accepted where they were quite yeah. poor. Um, And Diaz scored the first goal. He had another one ruled out and he had a th- Third one denied to him by an absolutely ridiculous save from the Braga keeper, Mateusz. It was really, really impressive. And I love to see it because, you know, we saw Brahim at at Milan and we we loved watching him there and thought, is he going to get these opportunities at Real Madrid? And he's been kept out by the sheer brilliance of Bellingham, who's felt like the key piece of everything in this Real Madrid side. Mm -hmm. But I think Brahim showed today that there can be life without him. And actually, it was a really lovely performance to take you know your opportunity he hasn't given many of those opportunities when he's come on it's been on the wing he hasn't been in that kind of central role which he was so good at formula and tonight he just he really stepped up but it was another one of those where you know he scored the first goal again it was disallowed but there was two more goals in the second half i think Vinny junior scored in the 58th minute and then rodrigo scored in the 60th it was another one Mm. where they were like oh real madrid hit the pedal they go and suddenly it's gone from one nil to three nil in the blink of an eye And there was no way back for Braga and Real Madrid were able to sort of see it out with relative ease. But yeah, Brahim the boy, the headline from today's Real Madrid game at the Bernabeu as well. So got to kind of receive the adulation of the crowd. And that's been a long time coming, right? He's been at Real Madrid for actually quite some time now. Obviously, he's been out on loan, etc, etc. But he's waited a long time for this moment. And tonight he firmly took his chance. And I was absolutely delighted for him. So. There's my takeaway from the
2: realm no, very nice yeah um so madrid four wins out of four in the champions league so a nice rhythm being set by them and actually they're on a really nice run generally at the moment they um unbeaten since they lost that game to atletico madrid um back in september so they they they've definitely found their their place again um which which was good after after that for them but um yeah it, it looks like they they're pretty comfortable now that that champions league pedigree definitely showing uh, in Group C, uh, we wondered if how close Napoli could push them. But at the moment, there's a there's a five point cushion between the two teams. So Real Madrid looking like they, yeah, they're going to comfortably make it through to that knockout phase.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, let's just quickly run through the other scores. We could start with Napoli. Actually, they drew one all with Union Berlin, who snapped their twelve match losing streak in Naples. Uh, the Napoli um. crowd were not very happy about this. Um, They weren't very happy with Napoli's decision to seemingly be content with a point Mm. at the end of it, uh, especially considering they took the lead through Politano. There was a goal in the first half ruled out for Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa, um, but Fafana equalised early in the second half for Union. And the end of this game was really fun, really opened out. Napoli started to have to listen to the crowd and actually push forward and it left major gaps for Union. Brendan Aronson came on and actually did some really nice things, which is oh. which is nice because he's been pretty poor at his time mm. at Union so far, but he did some really nice bits and bobs. Um, yeah, um, Union defended really well towards the end. Napoli had a couple of chances, but nothing major. Um, the fans weren't all that happy, but equally, they're still three points clear of Braga. You'd expect them to still see out second place in this group. Mm. I think Union's European adventures are pretty much over, but they will be pleased to have got their first ever Champions League point on the board here. And they were good value for it. It's been, weirdly, they've been dreadful in the Bundesliga, but they've actually been pretty good in all of their games in the Champions League. They've lost all of them by, you know, singular goals. We saw the Braga game where they Braga turned that round. We saw the 95th minute Jude Bellingham dagger in the Bernabeu. We saw the game against Napoli where... Faraskelia proved the the difference with that moment of magic, setting up Raspadori. So for them to actually get their dues here, I thought was was a nice moment for them. So yeah, shouts out to Union Berlin. Um, The other games, Salzburg lost 1-0 at home to Inter Milan. Lautaro scored a penalty. Lautaro had some real moments in this game. He was really unlucky. He could have had a hat-trick. But I thought the player of the match was Marcus Turam, who Mm. worked so hard. Down the channels, did all the dirty work. Salzburg were kept relatively at arm's length. It took. It was a late penalty, but there wasn't much in the way of of attacking output from Salzburg. I didn't think, and actually, Inter kind of were knocking at the door for a long time. Lautaro, th- there was a moment where he takes down a ball from Barella, and like in the air. Almost kind of the the esque touch, like absolutely up oh, in the really? air, like brings it down. As he as it drops, he strikes it on the volley with his left foot and it whistles past the post. It would have been one of the best goals that we've ever seen. It was absolutely <laughs> stunning. So they were good value, I thought, for that win. And, and Inter have now qualified for the knockout stages, um, which takes us to just two games left. And they're both in the same group. PSV Eindhoven won 1-0 against Lens, which puts them back into second. I believe, in that group, in Group B. Uh, Luke de Jong scored a really good goal in the first half of this one. Um, But actually, there were so many chances for PSV to extend this. And there's a moment where Chucky Lozano races through. He's come off the wing. There's one defender in front of him. And Johan Bakayoko is in, like, he has the freedom, the freedom of Eindhoven on the right-hand side. And Chucky goes around the defender and shoots. And it's, it's a good shot and it's a good save. But is looking and be like, have you got two heads? Like, are, like are, you, are you surely you can't be this blind as to not see me in the world's biggest space? And Chucky like, I don't know what you're complaining about. It was a really weird moment. He was like, look, it was a good save. And Bakayoko's like, I know it was a good save, but look, what on earth are you doing? Like, how on earth can you think that that's the right move at that time? <laughs> so they were lucky, I imagine, that, you know, that they managed to see it out uh, in that one. And in the other game, Arsenal beat Sevilla 2-0. What was really interesting about this was Arsenal didn't play with an out-and-out striker. Leandro Trossard played through the middle. Martinelli played off the left. Saka played off the right. Saka and Trossard on the score sheet. Really impressive, I thought, from Arsenal. They were really kind of in cruise control. And considering they were without Gabi Jesus, who was the difference in Seville a fortnight ago, actually the way that this front three worked, and they dovetailed beautifully together, the Saka goal is really, really lovely. It's a, it's a really brilliant bit of skill from Saka to mm. to cut inside and, and finish it off. But Trossard is a nuisance as a number nine. And I would not be surprised if we see this rolled out for a little while whilst Gabby Jesus is missing because there's just so much more dynamism about them when they have a front three that are able to sort of interchange like this. Mm. And, you know, it was, it was on full flow tonight. Kai Havertz, in the absence of Martin Erdegaard, took a little bit more control of the game, was very unlucky with it, with a brilliant shot that whistled just past the post as well. I, I thought this was one of Havertz's better games in an Arsenal shirt. And, and just having that freedom to do the things he liked felt like a really nice moment for him. So, yeah, good for Arsenal at the Emirates. Very comfortable, just, you know, in, in control of this group now. And I think that you, you kind of look at that and think, yeah, you know, they are, they're they're where they need to be at this point in in the campaign. And especially after a disappointing result of the weekend, bouncing back here with a rotated team very good very good from Arsenal.
2: very nice very nice yeah um need to catch up on that one actually but yeah arsenal uh looking good back in the champions league and they'll be very happy to be top of group b right now like this is exactly what they needed in their return
0: yeah absolutely all right in part two we're going to be talking about all of tuesday's action don't go anywhere Welcome back to Ranks FC, where we are working our way through this week's Champions League action on a Champions League takeaway. And off we go now to Tuesday's games. And then Tuesday gave us a return of the group of death, Borussia Dortmund, AC Milan, Newcastle United and Paris Saint-Germain, the one that we all picked out at the start of the tournament. It's safe to say that this group has delivered on its promise of being absolutely chaotic.
2: Yes F for fun, the group of fun, not the group of death, because um Press yeah, this F is just pay respect. This is topsy turvy. I mean there's there's not loads of goals involved in this group, but it's all over the place and it's and it's wide open. So look, AC Milan came from behind to, to, to beat PSG two one um at home, a really important win. For AC Milan that gives them a totally new outlook and their best performance in the Champions League so far this season. Um the real big takeaway from that one is really this is what happens when Raphael shows up. Like this this really is. Like when the guy plays at Peak Liao, they produce performances like this. Like he's unstoppable when he's like this. And it is just amazing to see, like, scored a lovely overhead kick. Um, it's,
0: it's the build-up to that goal, right? The way that he takes the ball is that Napoli-esque drive from last year's competition, where he just takes the ball at the halfway line, beats that like, two men, slides it yeah. out, and eventually gets on the end of it. It's just and eventually, glorious. he's the
2: one that finishes it. Yeah, exactly. That picks up in his own half and like just goes for goal. Um, and so there's that, and then there's this still this other narrative of Olivier Giroud going strong, a thumping header to win the game. Like this guy he's just so good to having a team like Giroud is just still so fit, so dependable, still so like in love with the game, and it was just a massive result for a c Milan to come through it, but ultimately yeah it it feels like when Raphael wants to turn it on, he can just turn it on. I just want him to do this like every single week. I know that that's like easier said than done. I totally get that, and this was p s g like he's done it against one of the best teams in the game, but Yeah, that's going to be the difference, I think, between Milan making it out of this group and not. It's going to come down to Rafael. I see Milan currently on five points in this group, and that puts them third in the group. And their next match will be against Borussia Dortmund, who currently top the group. Borussia Dortmund saw off Newcastle United um, on Tuesday night. And the big takeaway from that one is basically that Newcastle Oh, their legs are falling off, I think. Like this, this team is exhausted and they are dropping like flies at the moment. Uh, I felt a bit sorry for them. It ended up Borussia Dortmund 2, Newcastle 0, goals from Fulkrug and uh, Julian Brandt. But um, yeah, Newcastle did have opportunities in this game, all of them fell to Joe Linton. Remember, he was signed as a forward. Um, he ain't a forward. Like the, it was the last person you wanted while, these chances to fall to. Yeah. Um, so it was an unfortunate light for Newcastle. It was also not one of their best, better performances at all. But Borussia Dortmund making the most of the opportunity, as I say, and they are top of the group. But I'm not sure really what to read into it. As I say, like Borussia Dortmund top on seven points, Newcastle. Bottom on four points, but still with some hope that they can actually make it through this group. Newcastle will play against PSG next, away. I don't think I give them. I don't think I can back them in that game based on what we're seeing right now and the fact that they've still got an international break and two tough games to come between now and then because they already look so leggy. I'm I'm starting to be concerned about the depth of the squad, but. Look, that maybe was, they'll prove that me wrong. That was going to be my point. I was yeah, just
0: Newcastle just looked absolutely exhausted, and Eddie Howe said it. He was like, maybe this game just came too, you know, too soon for us. Too after, much. Yeah. after what was a really draining performance at the weekend, where they beat Arsenal. Obviously, that took a lot out of them, and, and and it really showed here. They just weren't at it at all, Newcastle. And you're right; there were opportunities that fell to Joel Linton. and, and that's obviously not the man you want them to be falling to. Yeah. Livermore was brilliant, I thought um played in like three different positions was kind of brilliant in all of them but there was a lot of poor performances in this newcastle team and i think a lot of them will look at look at this and be like that was not the showing that we needed to give because i think that there is one thing obviously newcastle have already beaten psg they hammered them at st james's park and so they will take that and go okay there's sorts of you know choices to be made and 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 there are opportunities to be had but i think that luis enrique wasn't quite there with this psg team at the time that they played Newcastle. And whilst they lost yesterday to Milan, they they looked far more complete than they did in that game at Newcastle. And I think that on another day, PSG win that game, I struggle, unless Newcastle can pull some real irons out of the fire in terms of players coming back from injury and coming back at full throttle, that they're going to be able to to keep this pace and this relentless attitude that they have up with this many games in quick succession.
2: Yeah, no, that's exactly the fear. What I will say... Is I am cautious about writing Newcastle off because they've got an unbelievable mentality, an incredible togetherness, great fitness levels, and a great style of play that they are all in tune with already. And you know this is why they brought in the likes of Lewis Hall and Liveramento was to just have young guys ready to come in for a moment of you know need and they, and they've got it and those guys are extremely good footballers yeah I, I do think that for the first time we we are seeing like the absence of tonali um how that could hit newcastle now um that that is is going to be a blow i think but yeah newcastle are up against it in that group now um but it's still wide open and as i say the group f is the group of fun
0: yes very much so. It's been lots of fun and I've, uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. Um, right. OK, let's talk about some other things. I want to talk about Antoine Griezmann because a lot of people will look at that 6-0 win over Celtic and say, oh, Griezmann got two and so did Alvaro Morata. But this was a Griezmann masterclass. Now, Celtic, again, down to 10 after the first goal. And that made a huge difference in terms of when this is. Another one where Dias goes flying in, he connects... With the player, I think it's a red card. Brendan Rodgers didn't. I think he's wrong, unfortunately. I think you can't go flying in like that. And the way that he connected with, with, with his opponent was dangerous and he had to walk. And it's a shame for Celtic because it looked like the only player really capable of causing any sort of damage oh, yeah. to ad before before he was sent off. But Griezmann ran this game. He, he scored the first with a little volley that took a deflection from the edge of the box with his first shot. He then nearly set up Rodrigo Raquelme for the second and was, was saved well by Hart where he went through. He creates this second goal and he won't get credited with the assist, but he picks the ball up about 30 yards from goal and he plays the most ludicrous pass, a diagonal 30 yards into the path of Jose Maria Jimenez, who heads it back across and Murata scores. So Jimenez would get the assist, but it was all Griezmann. Absolutely all Griezmann, and he then scores a you know sublime third in the in the second half where he, he takes a volley and then he's withdrawn to a standing ovation. I know I complained about where he stood in, in the Ballon d'Or standings the other week. It is a joke. He is arguably the most informed player in the world right now, and like there are very few teams can do anything that when when Griezmann's in this kind of form the kind of flip of that is that Celtic completely and utterly collapsed. They let, alone, let alone Celtic. Well, no, this is the thing. So like at 3-0, I was looking at it and being like, there's nothing you can kind of do about all three of those goals. They're brilliant goals. The latter three, I mean, look, Lino's goal is excellent. He bends it into the corner. But the goal that Saúl scores, the sixth of this, is the most embarrassing comical defending I think we've seen in the Champions League this season. That's saying something considering some of the things that Manchester United have offered us. It was... Comical. Joe Hart's in his net. He pushes the ball into the roof of the net when I think he thinks he's pushing it over the ball. Um, Mm. There is like three players in the box who could probably get to Saul before he's able to get a shot away. It's absolutely atrocious. And Brendan Rodgers said this wasn't, you know, a representation of this Celtic side. And I agree with him in that regard. I think that Celtic are much better than the account they gave themselves at, at the Metropolitano. And we saw that at Celtic Park when they drew with Atletico Madrid a couple of weeks ago. But it was, this was comical in the end and really, really not good enough and Celtic will not be playing in European competition come the spring.
2: No, I mean, it kind of is a reflection of Celtic because they haven't got that that quality that they need to make a mark on this level of competition. It's all very well keeping themselves ahead of Rangers in, in Scotland. But if Celtic are actually going to be competitive on this stage they need to start investing in better quality now because Maeda was the one you can't afford to lose. And as soon as he was gone in that game, it was game over. I feel really sorry for Celtic fans that had gone to Madrid for that game because, you know, no matter what, you go to a game like that with some optimism and some hope. And it Especially was con- after
0: the performance of Fortnite ago, right? Where yeah. they probably should
2: have won the game. It's completely gone with that red card. It's just like... It's very frustrating. Very frustrating, the manner of it all. And yeah, I just feel like Celtic need to decide how they level up this squad and what they do with Brendan Rogers. Obviously, he doesn't have a great European track record, does he really, Brendan Rogers? Not, not with Celtic, Celtic nor Leicester. The, to be honest, yeah. very
0: few Celtic managers in the last 20 years do. Right? Yeah, I
2: mean, Ange didn't even do well, did he, in, 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 um, in Europe? So it's something that is kind of become the norm that Celtic can't compete but when you're up against Griezmann and Morata and stuff it's going to be even more difficult obviously when you're already a goal behind then you go down to 10 men and you've still got like 70 minutes to play
0: yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. okay my last big takeaway is that Barcelona lost 1-0 to Shakhtar Donetsk in Hamburg Oh, as we and
2: exclusively revealed, actually, on on the on the Wednesday podcast. We
0: revealed they were losing anyway, <laughs> at the very least. And Lamini Yamal did not break that goal scoring record mm. in the Champions League yet. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it still works. So you can go you can go and listen to it straight after this one. Um Barcelona are having a bit of a wobble. Now, this game didn't matter loads. And I think that's important to kind of you know get about and, and realise because it's not the be-all-end or Barcelona should still qualify relatively comfortably from this group. They should still win this group. But they are having a little bit of a wobble because they went 2-0 up against Shakhtar in, uh, you know, two weeks ago, pretty much today. And they were cruising, comfortable, really happy. And then Shakhtar scored and Barcelona went back into their shell and very nearly conceded a second. Then they lost 2-1, having been a goal up in the Clasico. They then won 1-0 at Real Sociedad, which is no mean feat at Anueta, and that should be given credit. But Chavi came out afterwards and was like, we should have lost that game. There's no way that we should have won that game. He's like, I'm delighted that we've won. Delighted we've got the three points. But Real Sociedad were the better side. And we were bailed out by a last minute winner by Araujo. And now they've gone and lost one-nil to Shakhtar.
2: And football's you know, mad, man. They football's have been, football's
0: you know, mad. You have to take all of it with. Some pinches of salt. There were some players coming back in here. Marcus Alonso played a left back instead of Alex Balde. We saw a midfield three of, of Gavi, Romeo and Gundawan, which I don't think is quite what Xavi is looking for in that midfield three. Rafinha came back in on the right-hand side. There was no Joao Felix from the start. It just didn't work. And I don't think Barcelona are in trouble. So I, th- I probably should preface that preface this with that. I think that they will be fine. And you look at their next couple of games now, they have Alaves, they're away to Rio, which is obviously a game that caused Real Madrid problems recently. And then they have Porto at home in the Champions League, which they should be able to secure their progression with just a point. Then they have Atleti and then they have Girona, who have been the talk of the town and the talk of Catalonia, in fact, across the course of this season, which is an interesting development. And I'm just a little bit wary that they have two games here against Alaves and Raya where they need to play themselves back into form, you know, and this international break in the middle of it, because this has the potential to be a bit of a derailer in the season. That run against Atleti and Girona, and then they play Valencia away, who have been much better than a lot of people expected this season. Just a little bit wary for them that things can spiral out of control quite quickly. You know, they're, they're currently, obviously, third in the table. They're two points behind Real Madrid. They're four points behind yeah. Girona. And Atleti are two points behind them with a the game in hand. There's a real point if, that, if, if, you know, if they were to lose those games against Atleti and Girona. They're quite far off the pace after Ooh. 14 games. And that's not a position I think you want to be in with this Barcelona side, especially with the amount of rotation, injuries, etc., that they're having to do. So Barcelona needs to just sort themselves out a little bit and, and relatively quickly because performances like this are just not going to cut it. And yeah, credit Shakhtar because I thought that they defended really, really well. I thought that they were you know very smart with the opportunities they tried to create. They learned clearly from the first game in Barcelona and they were able to take those learnings and turn that into three points and three very important points in the context of them trying to qualify. But yeah, just want to just want to keep an eye on Barcelona are just on a little bit of a wobble. Even there if are. the results that you're seeing here, you know, the one 0 against Real Sociedad out of context, that's a really good result, especially away from home. But they're hard in things context, to read. Yeah,
2: and I th- I'd say like the big trend is that they don't score many goals. Like there's a lot of matches recently where they're only scoring once, and that's not a great place to be when you've got a league that is this competitive this season you know you you go back you look across the last five games there's only one match in in there that they've scored uh, two goals and that was against Shakhtar Donetsk and um you would typically expect Barcelona obviously to be be scoring more regularly than they have been at the moment and this this is something that goes back for a couple of months now you know they started the season in quite a flurry of goals but that really has dried up since the end of September and yeah interesting to watch out for how this does obviously this team is still growing they've got so many young players they're still finding their and their philosophy is the right word but their character and they're growing as a team together and they're going to be great but these sticky periods are really testing when you are growing as a team especially if You haven't got a major goal source. Now, obviously, they have got one. He's just not scoring at the moment. So once Lewandowski is doing Lewandowski things, you're fine. But you need to start happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's finish with a quick run through of the rest of the games on Tuesday. Porto beat Antwerp 2-0. Antwerp down to 10 in the second half. It was not comfortable this either. Evan Nielsen scored in the first half from the spot after scoring a hat-trick against Antwerp in the away leg. And you were like, okay, he'll he'll cause some damage from here. But Porto just didn't really kick on. And actually, just before the second goal, which happened in the 91st minute, which I want to talk about in a minute, Antwerp had a massive one-on-one opportunity that they had to score to level the game. It was just one of those, you, go, you cannot miss those opportunities at this kind of level. I think, if I'm not mistaken now, Mark Overmars has become the first manager to lose 12 European games in a row um, across three mm. stints. Um, One was at Wolfsburg. I think one might have been at PSV Um, and now at Antwerp. So not that, but Porto went up the other end and scored a header from a corner. And the man who scored that header was Pepe. He is 40 years old, 40 years old. He has smashed.
2: It's a great age, mate. It's a great age. He has
0: smashed the goal scoring record, the oldest goal scorer record in the Champions League by two whole years. The oldest goal scorer before him was Francesco Totti. At 38 years old, Pepe just be like, "Cool, hey, here," and he's still doing the business. 91st minute, still getting up for a corner and scoring, scoring the goal that sealed the deal. Brilliant, absolutely sensational. What a what a man, what a servant he has been for that club.
2: Yeah, that's pretty bonkers. I mean, thought he's not as old as you think it is, though, mate.
0: Not in it's... modern terms, mate. But I don't know. I think that I think that record might stand for a while. Is probably my thoughts
2: on it's it. It's hard, isn't it? Because of, of injuries and stuff, and like yeah it's, it's it's a long time to be playing football um machine that that you're right I mean it is obviously outstanding like there's not many people that even get to still be playing like I, I think of people I've played with like in and when you're in non-league football and you're trying to like keep going and just you play just for the love of it even by 40 even that's hard to do <laughs> so he's doing it at that level just goes to show like how hard that is Remarkable.
0: Shouts out, Pepe.
2: Um, all right.
0: Uh, in, vets the other game, year, he'll be in the next team next year. He'll be in Porto Vets, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, 35 plus in the UK. You can play in Veterans Leagues. <laughs> He's playing in the Champions League at 40 years old. Ridiculous. Um. In the other game in Athletics Group, Lazio beat final 1 0. They stopped the Santi Jimenez curse, which is cool. They managed Ooh. to finally stop him scoring in a game against Lazio. Uh, and talking of long standing servants to clubs, uh, Jerome Mobile scored the winner here. His 200th goal for Lazio on the brink of halftime with a penalty. And it's made the bottom of that group really interesting. Lazio leapfrogged final into second place. Um, that's going to be intriguing now because it's going to go down to the wire, I'd imagine, as to who qualifies out of that group. Uh, and then in Group G, uh, Red Star Belgrade lost 2-1 to RB Leipzig. Xavi Simons did it again. He scored another absolute worldie. He just keeps dropping these moments of pure class in this Leipzig team. And they've become pretty dependent on him quite early. Now, there's a lot of really good players in this team. Lois Appenders there. We've seen, and he's scored in this game as well. But Simons is the game breaker. And I'm loving watching him in this Leipzig side. At first, I was like, what on earth are PSG doing? You know, buying him back from PSV when that clause didn't expire mm. and then sending him straight on loan to Leipzig. I was like, send him back to PSV. He's having a great time there. Nope. They've played a masterclass here, and he is such a crucial side. I was looking at that team and being like, there's too many moving parts in the attack for everyone to fit in. But he has absolutely made himself number one name on the team sheet, and it's very, very impressive. Um, Leipzig have qualified for the last 16 alongside Manchester City, who won 3-0 against Young Boys. This was a routine as they come uh, Harlan scored from the spot in 23rd minute. Uh, Foden scored a brilliant goal just before half time, and then Holland did did do an interesting thing. He scored from outside the box for only the third time for Manchester City. Oh. Scored an absolute screamer as well. The funny thing is that Young Boys then had a player sent off, and City just didn't really press home. They were just like, "I'll do three 0 Everyone's happy. We're not going to embarrass anyone." They didn't do the athletic, They didn't go for didn't go for the throat. They just sort of let the game play out. But some really impressive performances I thought from. Mateo Kovacic and Mateusz Nunch, which was interesting because it means that both of them are now clearly ahead of Calvin Phillips in the pecking order. He came on, but only once the game was completely done and dusted. And I think, you know, we've seen Pep talk about the fact that Nunch in particular has struggled a little bit with the way that City play. But we saw some of the things that Pep clearly really liked in him. And obviously City were tracking him when he was at Sporting, never mind when he was at Wolves. So that move wasn't a huge surprise. But, you know, some of the comments were he was like, oh, he doesn't quite know how to play with us yet. And his final ball still not there. But some of the driving runs and actually quite a lot of the defensive work he put in in the midfield, very, very impressive. Um, mm. And it was his first real, oh, I'm here performance at City. Oh, at all. Nice. So, yeah, shouts out to Mateusz. Very good. Very good,
2: mate. There we go, mate. That's the lot. That's all 16 um, games. One more thing, mate. Um, I just noticed that Sam, Ty, our old friend, uh, was having a conversation with someone on Twitter about a Copenhagen goalscorer from tonight. And somebody was chatting to him and said, yeah, but Sam, can you pronounce his name though? And Sam said, well, this is how the commentator was saying it. And the guy has replied to him saying, I'm impressed. It's not too bad. The accurate way to say his name is Rooney Baradji. Baradji. He said, according to the man himself. Badaji. Badaji. Yeah, there you go. So it I thought we'd better correct ourselves right at the thank end. Thank you. So... I
0: appreciate you fully derek raid me.
2: Yeah, you know? I fully have. And I mean, it's very unlike me to get something right. Um, but he was yeah, there you go. Q- BT he Sport. Was born in doing, or not BT Sport. Was it TNT now? Uh, doing the business with their, with their commentary and their pronunciations.
0: Well, there you go. He was born in Kuwait. So um, that's potentially where, where that comes from was an interesting... I might just call him
2: Rooney, to be honest. It's going to be a lot easier.
0: Well, you'd imagine what the headlines are going to say tomorrow. Rooney sinks Manchester United. That's, that's absolute, the back of, course of the sun it is. for you.
2: Of course it is. Um, I'm going to call him Wazza. <laughs>
0: well whatever you need to do to survive well on that note i think it's probably time for us to call it a day so all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to our pronunciation guru mr dean jones cheers mate i've been jack collins of hearts. this has been your ranks fc champions league takeaway thank you so much for listening as ever there is another episode up from yesterday where we were talking all about records that we think are going to be broken across the course of this season. Worth a listen if you haven't already. We'd very much appreciate it. And we will see you next week, gang. Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify.
1: slash ranks.